In the world of Hollywood, movies get greenlit and redlit. They get remade and rebooted. But we are the ideal. I'm Sam Gash. And I'm Mike Bobbitt. And this is Ideal Remake. <laughs> which was shot in Dallas. It was shot in Dallas? It looks nothing like Detroit. I thought the whole thing was like, oh, we need a we need a city that feels like a dystopian, a dystopic shithole, and I can't we be- picked Detroit. I can't, first of all, I can't believe that you're the first one to swear. It is going to be a swearing podcast. It's going to be a swearing. We'll see about that. I'm not going to swear. Really? You're the one who, like, every time that we read a script, I always feel bad if I have you read a character that swears <laughs> it. You're a sweet baby Sam. I, there, I think it was well into high school before I felt comfortable swearing at all. Yeah, I'm going to bleep you every time. Deeply? Are you really? I'll just throw in the RoboCop sound, uh, sound effect of the guy going, I'd buy that for a dollar. <laughs> I want to talk about that. Okay. But, okay. So RoboCop. RoboCop. How old were you when you first saw RoboCop? RoboCop came out in 1982, I believe. Sure. No, it came out in 1987. That I'm going to say 1987. That feels... As you look it up on your phone, because... My phone says 2014. <laughs> that would be the... Uh, 1987. Joel Kinnaman remake. 1987. So I would have seen it in the theater. I was 15 years old in 1987. Neat. Yeah. <laughs> I liked it. I probably saw it with Bill Appleton mm. um, at the uh, movie theater at Oakland Mall in uh, my <laughs> hometown of Troy, Michigan. So I was born in 1988. All so right. So this I movie's did. older than you. Yes. Uh, I saw this movie for the first time. You remember when Netflix had DVDs? Yeah. This was one of the first movies that I got through the DVD program. So it was like, because there are a lot of movies that I didn't see growing up that I definitely should have seen. This was one of them and I made myself watch it. And how did you, and how did you feel about it when you first saw it? I, I remember enjoying it because it's, it's a, the, the ideas behind it are fun. One of the things that I realized when I was watching it last time, I wrote it down was, because one of the things that bothered me most was, he's RoboCop. And anytime it's just his face and the robot body, once he loses the helmet, I thought it was super weird. Mm-hmm. And I, I realized on the second rewatch that I did this week, I was like, he has that helmet on way more of the movie than I thought. Like, the first time I watched it, I thought the, the helmet was off for, like, half the movie. But it wasn't. I was wrong. But maybe in the sequels? I don't know. I, I, I haven't seen the sequels. I haven't seen the sequels, nor have I seen uh, the remake from, from 2014. Okay. So. I, I have. All of them? Yeah, and I, I probably watched the RoboCop cartoon series that was on. Is there an 80 movies that didn't spawn a cartoon series? What is the plot of RoboCop, Mike? <laughs> it's future... I guess they don't really have a year for it, but it's maybe future Detroit. I would say in the not in the not in the not too distant future, in a world where corporations have begun taking over, where everything has become privatized and corporations run every aspect of our life. That's backstory. Anyway, here's a guy who was a cop and now he's a robot and he's cleaning up the streets and also some of this corporation, which is equivalent to the streets, watch this movie, kids. Right, yeah. I realized as I was saying that big long run-on sentence that I also couldn't nail down the the through line of this movie. It's funny because the guy who wrote it wrote it basically because he was working on Blade Runner and he's like, oh, a cop chasing robots. What about a robot cop? Really? Yeah. So I feel like his entire elevator pitch for it was probably Robot Cop? Robocop? <laughs> I mean, it worked. Yeah. Got his movie made and it's lasted and lasted. It, it's interesting, too. Um, they wanted Michael Ironsides 
to uh, play Robocop. And they got as far as doing, like, sculpting of what the costume would look like. Mm. And the original costume that it's clearly Michael Ironside's face looks just like Judge Dredd. Oh, does it really? It's almost like they wanted to make a Judge Dredd movie, but someone else owned the rights because it wasn't that much longer after this was made that the Dredd movie with Sylvester Stallone came out. Interesting. And I wonder if they were trying to, like, maybe no one's admitted because, you know lawsuits like hey let's make dread oh we can't get dread uh let's uh, just change the costume a little bit and make robocop i mean that's basically the story behind mega man yeah because mega man was astro boy and all they did was they instead of him having the kooky hair they put on the helmet and changed his color palette from speedo to blue right and it's not even detroit anymore and robocop they want it to be delta city <laughs> Delta City. And, you know, Dread is Mega City. Let's talk for a second about the costume, because that looked like the most uncomfortable thing to wear ever. Which it was, apparently. Like, they shot everything that they could shoot before the costume arrived, because... um, Because they wanted him to be committed to the movie because he was going to be so unhappy while wearing it? Right. Well, Verhoeven got in a fight with the costume designer to the point where they weren't talking to each other. And they wanted to have the costume a couple weeks early. And it showed up literally on the day of shooting. And Peter Weller put it on. It took like 11 hours to put it on. And then uh, as soon as he put it on, he's like, oh, I I can't move in this. We can't make the movie at all. And uh, like tensions were super, like no one had a good time <laughs> making this movie. Like in all the interviews that I found, everyone's like, oh, it, w- it was the worst experience ever. Oh no. And um, Peter Weller's like, I can't move in this thing. I quit. We can't do it. And then uh, they're like, well, let's take the weekend and work on it. So he got in touch with like a Tai Chi mime guy. Oh man. <laughs> and uh, like showed him how to do like the really slow robotic movements, even though. Because his movements he, were good. He, yeah. Like, his movements were robotic. Yeah. Yeah, he did a great job. The costume probably helped with that. I'm sure. But, but like, it was one of those things where his movements were very um, start and stoppy. It was like, he'd, he'd, like, his body wouldn't be moving. He'd do his full turn, and then his body would completely stop. Yeah, but, you know, Peter Weller is amazing in this. For what he has to... For what he has to do, all faults that I might have with this movie are not because of his performance. Right. <laughs> I have no faults with anyone's acting in this movie. I just want you to know that. Every every actor did a amazing job. Right. There's something weird about it. Like, I'm... Yeah, yeah. well, part of it's, like, it's dated. Part of it's a little bit the writing, part of it's a little bit the directing. Let's just get into it. So, at the beginning of the movie, what's the corporate guy who's a complete asshole, but isn't the bad guy? What's his name? The Dick Jones? Sure. There's the one played by Ronnie Cox. Sure. Brown hair, as opposed to the blonde, older guy. Oh, um, you're Bob Morton, played by Miguel Ferrer. He, he died later because of a great Yeah, name. yeah, yeah. So at some point, they're talking like, oh, they, the Ed 209 comes in and uh, murders someone, and everyone in the conference room is super casual about it. They're like, ah, that guy's dead. She screamed, but that's about it. And then the boss goes, very disappointed in you. Someone is dead. Your First, robot no. murdered someone. First they say, someone call a paramedic. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, right. Because yeah. that guy has any chance. That's the comedy. Like, apparently Robocop is supposed to be a comedy. And I told you that You like, mentioned beforehand. that before, and I was amazed that you told me that. Because that was before I rewatched it. And I watched it this time, and I get where you're coming from. Right. But I didn't laugh at all. In their minds, they made a super dark, satirical comedy with stuff like... I don't know which version you got to watch. I, I rewatched the unrated version, which just amps up the gore. I watched whichever version. Quite a bit. I, I rented off of iTunes. Okay. 
it's probably the unrated version. Uh, I think it's 103 minutes. And um, so that scene where the guy's just getting shot, like he's on the, the model and they're and, still just shooting right. him. Well, he, he's still being shot, but he's being shot, like he's clearly being shot at directly, even though he's now laying down oh, yeah. on top of the <laughs> model. <laughs> yep. And then after being shot for about a, a minute and a half. Right. Then, uh, and then the, I think it's the guy who's in charge of everything, the oldest guy who goes, uh, call no, a paramedic. I think it's one of those things in the background. Oh, okay. I think it's one of those like 80 yard later lines because the old guy who's in charge of everything like the big boss hadn't moved during that entire thing he's the only one that didn't jump out of his seat right and that's when the the uh the bad guy comes over and is like ah we got some bugs to work out i'm very disappointed in you and right. that's like their interaction i guess it's not so bad that the oldest guy is titled as old man is it well that's what they keep calling him oh, okay but uh like the, the, but that's comedy yeah uh, well, i mean you just it's don't comedy, get Dutch comedy it's comedy in the same way that tarantino's comedy this felt like pre-tarantino tarantino even though, when did Pulp Fiction come out? It's not Tarantino. No one called anyone the N-word. So. That's true, yeah. but there is an overabundance of blood and violence. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's it's a comedy in the way Tarantino. That That's fair. Like, it's... I would I would call it a satire, but I wouldn't call it a funny satire. When I was 15 watching it, I didn't get the humor. And at 45, I don't necessarily know that. I mean, I got the humor, but I didn't, like, get the humor. Yeah. <laughs> well, I can like, tell you that right smack in the middle of those two ages, same. Yeah. But, like, there's a moment where, where they're, t- like... Uh, younger buddy also goes well that Ed 209 thing failed but my idea for a robot cop which he doesn't say is gonna go way better well how are you gonna get a guy we've got we've assigned prime candidates according to risk factor so basically they reassigned all these cops to go to to go the place people the cops would be most suited to be turned into a robocop to the most dangerous positions where they'd be most likely to be moitered. <laughs> yep. Which is crazy because all of a sudden Murphy comes into the, to this precinct. He's like, all right, you're new here. Here's your partner. All right, kids, go out, have fun. They go get a hot dog and he gets murdered. Yeah. In that order. Exactly. It, it's And the, he and his partner, they're Lewis. immediately best friends forever. Yeah. It, to the, which is funny when Murphy becomes Robocop and Lewis is like, come on, Murphy, remember me? I'm like, like, I don't know, I've known you for like three hours. Three max. Yeah. Like, so, I, um, it's, I legit, like, it's been a few weeks, I legitimately don't remember your name. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if you know, but I was shot. Lewis, is it? I immediately met you and then was like, every time I get a new partner, I drive. <laughs> I'm the man. Oh yeah, that, that was super sexist. Yeah, and then of course they like kind of do a reversal when they're leaving getting a hot dog or whatever and she just jumps in the, the driver's seat and he's like, yeah, yeah, okay, you drive. This is how weird the 80s were, just... Nancy Allen, who plays Lewis, was best known for playing one of the mean girls in the movie Carrie mm-hmm. and known for being like the pretty girl with the long, luscious hair. And then they were like, oh, we got to do something bold for Robocop. Let's give her a haircut. Wow. Yeah. 80s. Yeah. Huh. And so then they just like cat, like start like follow the this armored truck as it's making its breakaway from robbing a safe where they burned all the money. This right. is like they're marked. Just, no, it's still good. It's still money. Just take it somewhere else. Just spend it somewhere else. Yeah. I get it. But, like, a random cashier at a random place is going to be like, hey, your 20's a little bit singed. Anyway, here's your pizza. Are, are you saying that there are problems with the script and we should not be surprised that writer Ed Newmeyer really has only written the RoboCop trilogy and the Starship Troopers trilogy? Ooh, wow. That, that is basically his entire career. Well, what I'm trying to ask is, can you fly, Bobby? <laughs> I'd buy that for a dollar. No, it's like, he, the guy's been shot. Can you fly, Bobby? And throws him. 
I'm like, that's not a... I bet that was on a t-shirt. No, I don't think it was. No? Although, I'd bet that for a dollar was far and away the runaway. You know what I'm saying? The catchphrase? Yeah. Yeah, oh yeah. I'm yeah. going to get to this in, in our next bit, but I have an idea of what this movie it, like actually is, but we'll get to that in a minute. So basically, what happens is that they get to the warehouse where the bad guys are holed up. Backup's going to be, what was it, 15 minutes? Yeah. 15 minutes. That's it. Nah, let's just go in. Us two cops into this completely unknown situation. And hey, crazy thought, let's split up. It's a bad plan. Bad police work. Bad police work. Yeah. Well, that's what I'd call a prime candidate. (laughs) (laughs) To be a solo RoboCop. Of course. What would have happened if she'd been the one who'd been brutally murdered? Do you think she would have been RoboCop? Well, at the end, he does say... They can fix you. They can fix anybody. Based on what? <laughs> they fixed him. Did they? Yeah. Because the guy who... They shaved his eyebrows. They put him in a cool, bulky suit. I was looking at that suit when he took the mask off, and I was like... Because when I first saw it, I was like, oh, that's good special effects. But then this time, I was like, that's too old for special effects. They just had to make up his face and like yeah. put weird latex on it. So like, that's... He's in that. But they weren't really going to make Peter Weller a RoboCop. Why? <laughs> he needed to... Uh, what did he do after this? I don't know, because he made Buckaroo Banzai before this. Like, yeah. that's how... They saw Buckaroo Banzai, and they were like... That guy deserves to be roboticized. They're like, let's make it Peter Weller. And <laughs> they had a problem because they couldn't find anyone who was um, skinny enough to fit a suit where the suit wouldn't be too ridiculous. And the suit ends up being so bulky to the point that he couldn't... When any scene that he's sitting in, sitting down, like in a cop car or something... Uh-huh. Um, they just have the top half of the suit? Top half of the suit, and he's just in his underwear <laughs> from the waist down. Good, because I imagine it was drenching. Oh, yeah. He apparently lost three pounds a day from losing oh, from the sweat in Texas. And this is a 100-day shoot. Was it really? No. Oh. That would have been funny. Sometimes you go too fast for old man Mike, Sam. I'm sorry. So um, they go... They, and then in the scene where he's walking down the stairs in the, the club, uh-huh. uh, he couldn't go downstairs in the costume. Of course not. So he's walking through this crowd of people dancing in his underwear. <laughs> RoboCop costume from the waist up. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, as we established in this movie, robots can't go downstairs. Right. Stairs are their only weakness. Right. That's because Ed 209 has that problem. Falls down the stairs and then as robots do, screams. Did you like Ed 209? In what way? Like, did you think that was a cool, uh, cool robot? I mean, he felt like a mini boss before he got to the real boss. I like him though. He's fine. Apparently, um, the original design for him had the grill because it's Detroit. So he has a grill on the front of him. It was upside down and it looked like he was smiling. So they were like, no, let's turn it upside down. Now he is frowning. That's going to be my Paul Verhoeven imitation, apparently. <laughs> I mean, I would have preferred if he was smiling. Like, it's one of those things where today you would have one of those, like, like blinking faces with, have a nice day. Which would be cooler. Yeah, like, yeah. I think that's what Ed 209 will need to be. We'll have like, to I write that feel- down yeah. for our, uh, as we reboot this. Yes. Because I feel like Ed 209 is a cool idea, but it's so on the nose. You, you made a weapon. Yeah. But, all right. But I, I think that actually kind of rings true for today as police forces seem to be more militarized. That's true. That maybe, you know. I don't disagree. Yeah. Okay. So they're in the warehouse and uh, uh, Murphy gets You shot can't even get to good. the point that he's become RoboCop yet. You're I'm just like, it. he's in this warehouse. He's in the warehouse. He gets shot like a lot. He says the line, dead or First, alive, you're coming with me. And then there's, he says that later in the movie. Like, the random guy's like, hey, that guy I killed said that. First, though, before he even gets killed. Oh, the what guy makes, who's peeing? Yeah, the guy who's peeing. Because, you know, ladies can't help but to look at a wiener. So. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's not like as she's walking up, I like I have large visuals. It's not like I'm laser focused only on his eyes. I can take in all of the situation, so to speak. <laughs> I don't need to physically turn my head and take my eyes off crazy pants. And go, what? What? 
the rumors are true. <laughs> that guy's laugh is fantastic. That guy's laugh is so cool. As far as I'm concerned, he could play the Joker. That guy's laugh is one of is in my top three favorite things about RoboCop. What are the other two? My all-time favorite scene of Robo. Well, my second favorite thing is imagining <laughs> Peter Weller walking around in tidy whities <laughs> <laughs> Anytime you can't see him from the waist down, because that has to that have has been to have been a thing. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it, like it's when they made the original Star Wars, you never see Graham off Tarkin's feet because the boots were too uncomfortable for Peter Cushing, so he was wearing like pink fuzzy slippers. <laughs> I don't know if they were pink fuzzy slippers, but in but my in mind, head, they're, they're pink, pink fuzzy, fuzzy slippers, slippers with little bunny socks. Of course they are, because yeah. that's the best. And if I'm playing Grandma Tarkin and you can't see my feet, guess what? That's what's happening. Yep. You best not look down or you're going to break character. So I, I like the guy's laugh, imagining Peter Weller and Tidy Whities. But my all-time favorite scene that I had to rewind and watch it again is when uh, the one gang member, Emil, is all mutant, muted oh. up. And uh, Boddicker hits him with a car. And he just explodes. <laughs> yes. I love that so much. That mutant guy, I've seen this movie twice now, and he has freaked me out both times. That he guy. full Toxic Avenger. That character, I love that character. You probably haven't seen the original Fame from 1980, probably. I believe you that it exists. He plays the, uh, it's about, you know, like the... Fame? Yeah, the Fame High School. Oh. Yeah. What? In New York, where, you know, it's like the High School of the Arts, or whatever it is. That's not what I was anticipating. You... I have literally no idea what this movie's about. Oh, okay. Fame is... Explain it to me, beat by beat. Fame is a movie that No, wait, takes... we're doing Robocop. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but the street gang guy, Emil, is played by the sensitive... Paul McCrane, I think his real life name is. Okay. He's played by the sensitive musician. He sings like an angel. Oh, does he? Yeah. Voice like an angel. And then he gets exploded in RoboCop. <laughs> oh, and then they yeah. cut to the inside and he's just, just goo. gooing down the windshield. Oh, it was so gross. I love it. Uh, and Red from that 70s show is just sort of like, ah, uh, windshield wipers. Yeah. Red from that 70s show is so good. Let me tell you about the scene where he's killing Murphy in a warehouse. You know, before the yep. naked try to say. You're still there. <laughs> yep. He shoots Murphy in the brain. Murphy is shot in the brain. Now, I know people have survived from being shot in the brain. It's a thing, and they intentionally show it's like a side wound entry thing, but Murphy is down. And then they go to the hospital where they like do like his perspective looking up as they're doing the whole surgery thing, and which was pretty neat, neat filmmaking. Yeah, it was. I, th- I thought it was really cool. I thought it was a little longer than it needed to be, but it was. But I thought it was a really cool way to think. And then, like, his eyes open again, and now it's electronic. Like, that transition from being a human to being the RoboCop, I thought was pretty cool. And as they're adjusting their, like, their, the, the weird drawn lines, and those become his eyes. Yeah. I thought it was cool. And then all of a sudden, there's the attractive lady scientist who's just there to build RoboCop, and then is gone. Which I found really interesting, because normally when 80s movies cast attractive lady scientists, it's because they plan on making them get naked later. And they didn't. Like, she was attractive lady scientist and I had and they were like you are you are a scientist you build Robocop and you're done I was trying to figure out because there's the obligatory boob scene of course but that's earlier in the movie yeah it's earlier in the movie I want to figure out who's responsible for it if Ed Neumeyer wrote it in the script like it's a unisex locker scene it's a bunch of people in towels boobs and then more people, <laughs> well, because that they, exact they, same well, scene is in Starship Troopers that I he wrote. bet it is. Yeah. Well, during that weird locker room scene, you see the shower, and you see a bunch of dudes facing the other way, and you see dude butts. You yeah. don't really see any cracks. They're like pixelated dude butts. Mine may not have been the high-def version. Okay. No, there were there were hairy, hairy cop butts. And I, hairy cop butts, by the they, way, is going to be uh, the name of the detective in my new perfect. crime noir series. <laughs> hairy cop hairy butts. Cop butts. <laughs> it's buttes. No, it's not. <laughs> there should uh, be an E in it. Harry, 
But there's not. No, it's, it's family name. It's Buttes. Nope. And, but yeah, faded butts in the distance and the boobs right there. Yep. In the foreground. Yep. Almost shot for shot, that exact scene is in Starship Troopers. That's hilarious. I think it's a Paul Verhoeven thing because he also is the guy who made Showgirls. And I think like the first nudity in Showgirls may be a uh, people in a locker you, room. It's important that you have to note that it, the, it's the first nudity in Showgirls. When he, we're in robot vision and he's slowly being built in a sample, they're doing it's like a New Year's or a birthday party or they're doing some sort of thing. Yeah, I think they have a birthday for him, don't they? I, I, yeah. Something like that. They're celebrating. They have- but the crazy thing is that, is he on the ground? Because they keep bending over to talk to him. I think he's on like a table. I, I guess. It was weird. Then we got a RoboCop. Like, all of a sudden, now they're wheeling him into the police station. And it's you, ladies and gentlemen, allow me to introduce the RoboCop. Yeah, and then he cleans up Delta City, Detroit. Well, what happens is they, well, they perform some tests to make sure he's working properly. They're like, hey, here's this goop that he eats. It tastes like baby food. Ah, isn't it great? The tests are in this order. He has to follow the pen with the, follow the pen. He has to do voice me- recognition. He has to go practice firing a gun. Okay, cool. Go. You're good. Right. <laughs> here's your car. Should we, we do a pra- psychological exam? Should we, should we practice driving? Nope. Should we, um, should we see if he can, he can fit in the car? <laughs> good question. Yeah. Could he fit in the car? No. And so, like, he goes and he's stops this one robber in this store and he must have done more damage to that store than the actual burglar was going to be end up taking, right? Oh, yeah. I, I'm still stuck on I didn't even think about that at the time of the exam of following the pen. It's like, hey, should we show him a picture of Clarence Boddicker too, just to see if he'll glitch out? Nah, yeah. he followed the pen. Followed the pen. We wiped his brain. Okay, yeah, but there might be something residual. We in- wiped his brain, man. Look, man, I don't know where you've been, but when was the last time you got your brain wiped? I don't... When was the last time you got Eternal Sunshine and the Spotless Minded? Oh, he did Clementine. He got Clementine, right? The first, the, the first crime RoboCop stops is the like the drugstore robbery. Right. The second one is the prevented rape. The third one is someone's taking the mayor. That's your first. Those are your first couple episodes. Do, do you want some weird trivia about that scene too? Yes. You know how they go into like thermal body heat view? Uh-huh. Apparently, it would have been way too expensive to shoot. So what they did they was they had all of the actors. <laughs> Naked, covered in body paint, and shot it in blacklight. That's the best thing I've ever heard. Yeah. Isn't that insane? That's amazing. I miss movies before technology got good enough for movies. Yeah. When I read that, I was like, I thought that scene looked a little weird. It does. Yeah. Damn. Darn. Right. You, you can cut back to the yeah. darn instead of the, uh, the yeah, swing. Because I feel like you could see a lot in that scene where I was like, oh, I hope that's not what it looks like at the airport. Because, <laughs> you know. Well, I don't know what kind of airport you go to. But what I was going to say is that, that the, the lead up to that scene was fairly progressive simply because, like, they, they, the, the movie hit the balls to call a white guy with a gun domestic terrorism. Mm. Like, they were actually like, hey, this guy has a gun. He's in the, this is domestic terrorism. And they did that. Like, hey, there's a terrorist in the office. And I was like, this guy's going to be white because everyone in this movie is white, with the exception of Super Laugh. No, and uh, the chief, the sergeant, oh, Sergeant right. Reed. Sergeant Reed, yeah, you're right. Yeah. And uh, several people in this movie are also women. But yeah. for the most part, it's fairly. Since we've kind of crapped on how bad elements of the script are, Ed Newmeyer has. Having done RoboCop and, and Starship Troopers, does have women in like roles that are equal to the men, and that's pretty progressive for that time. And I did respect that, like there was, wasn't really a romantic subplot. No, Murphy had a family; they're gone now. Don't worry about it. They left. You were dead. You're not going to see them. We don't actually see them. How dare you? But there was no like they demo- cut out a scene with them. Oh, did they? Yeah, probably for the best. Yeah, nah, we'll see how I feel about it. It's like Demolition Man a little bit about. Uh, 
like in Demolition Man's like, oh, I was married. She's dead. All right. Hey, you're pretty hot. And but in this movie, that didn't happen. They're weirdly devoted to each other. But it's not. It doesn't feel like a romantic subplot. Yeah, they're devoted to each other. And keep in mind, again, they were partners for three hours. Three hours maximum. Yeah, they were partners up until lunch. Uh huh. Yep. That's it. Yep. What but, a uh, crazy morning this kid had. Maybe they hook up after she becomes the second Robocop, which I don't think Wait, she ever becomes. What? He doesn't have any equipment. Not that you know of. That's true. You didn't see if, him walking around in his tidy white. Look, they removed his, like, we could save his arm. No, take his arm off, which I know in the reboot, they kept his arm. And I know that's a thing everyone was really freaked out about because in the reboot, he still had one of his fancy person hands. Oh, did he really? Yeah, he had one robot hand, one person hand. And I remember making note of it because, like, that's one of the things I know about the remake. But in the original, they're like, no, just take his arm. So I can't imagine that Buddy Boy would have been like, yeah, no, cool, leave his dick. It might have been a really nice dick, though. I mean, I can't speak to that. I mean, I guess we'll just have to wonder. Yeah. In the porno parody. Yeah. (laughs) That's how we're going to read. Boot this. Can we talk about the news people in this movie? Real life news people. Really? Yeah. They, really? Yes. How much cocaine were they? How much cocaine was everyone in this movie on? It was, uh, I, I can't remember the guy's name. He was probably a reporter from here, but I think she's Lisa Gibbons, who was on like Entertainment Tonight or something along uh, those lines. That makes more sense. Yeah. And it was 1987. They may have all been on cocaine. I assume they were. Yeah. The weird little cocaine strop, the nose thing that Red from that 70s show kept using was fancy. It was just a mainlining cocaine thing. I like them. <laughs> I really like the the cheesy interstitials except for the car being the SUX I think was a little bit on the nose a little bit Starship Troopers has those too the silly little interstitials that uh that's how it's a comedy that's how it's a satire so speaking of comedy the show that they all watch on TV when they're not watching the news is called It's Not My Problem It's Not My Problem that's what the movie that's what it's called that's the name of the cheesy sitcom I just assumed it was called that by that for a dog right where it is literally that man's birthday every day (laughs) they an attractive woman brings him a and he says his line I'd buy that for a dollar and then you zoom out on his goofy face everyone laughs and then something explodes what would you do in this situation apparently on Nancy Allen's first day of filming they were shooting all of that stuff and she just walked on set and was like oh my god what did I get myself into <laughs> what would you do if you like signed up for something that you're like oh this should be kind of neat and you see it's just like it looks like a really bad sitcom would you just kind of walk or I like really bad sitcoms yeah that's true I mean that's seems fun. That seems a different kind of dumb. But here, alright, so here's my theory about this movie. I think the world of this movie is the missing link between our world and idiocracy. I think this is yeah. the movie that happened in the middle of those. Because everyone's a little bit heightened, a little bit crazy, a lot a bit dumb. The things that they're watching on TV are literally just, eh! I think they were one step away from watching a, a dude getting kicked in the dick on TV. Right. Well, that's like the film community talking about how television's dumb. And now look at reality. Right. Like, television is where it's all happening. And if, reboot, and if Robocop were to get rebooted, it might get rebooted for TV. Right. It won't. We're, we're going to be talking about a movie because yeah. we're professional. Speaking of first days on the set, so apparently Kurtwood Smith, who ends up playing Clarence Boddicker, a.k.a. Red from that 70s show. Uh, that's his name. Thought he was playing the Ronnie Cox, Dick Jones role. Have you <laughs> ever, like, you've been in a bunch of stuff. <laughs> Have you ever thought that you were playing one role and you got your lines memorized and you show up and they're like, no, actually, Sam, you're playing the son. Like, I have done that. You what? How, this is one of the worst things I've ever been a part of in any way, shape, or form. I filmed it in Tucson the summer before moving to Los Angeles. I went to this audition. And I don't. I legitimately don't remember what the auditions were, but I remember being shown someone's headshot, like from someone else who was in. It was like, yeah, this guy's in it, and it was the dude's headshot. And on the back were like those four panels of what uh, of like other shots that the person was in. One of them was like a sporty shot and whatever. And I remember the audition was like this weird, creepy dude with like huge mutton chops and was like wearing one of those like mesh tank tops. 
like one of those like weird creepy guys. What I got cast in is I got cast, and this keep in mind. This, oh, you went to a casting call and there was a guy with mutton chops and a mesh shirt. Yeah, he was the director. Hold on to your hat. So here's what. So I got cast to sing uh, a basically to go in and be kind of a lounge singer type guy singing Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, but it was Billy Clinton's Lonely Heartthrob. Uh, Bill Clinton sleeps around like a uh-huh. song, like something like yeah. that. Keep in mind this was 2010. Okay. Not only had Bill Clinton left office, the guy who was in office after Bill Clinton had left office. We're talking real up-to-date pop culture references. One of the other bits in this thing was about Dennis Rodman. So I get I get cast to do this thing where I'm like going in and I'm supposed to be singing the song. So I memorize the song. I, I listen to the Beatles song over and over again. I do the thing. I memorize it. For those of you that don't know, I, Sam Gash, own a yellow suit. It's great. So I should, because I'm supposed to be like crazy, like crazy lounge singer guy. So I show up in a yellow suit and I'm ready to go. And he was like, oh, no, no, no. I didn't want you to learn the song. I wanted you to learn the backbeat so you can go boop, 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 boop. Like you can like, because they're not going to get instruments. They're it's just gonna gonna be me, me going to be the pitch perfect version While he sings over it. Oh. Here's the thing. Munchop Meshert guy could not sing. So he did a spoken word version of a parody of Sergeant Pepper, and that's not even beginning to tell you how bad this was. This was a series of things that he was shooting at the Tiki at the Tiki Hut in Tucson. It was so bad. One of the other songs that was sung was um, some woman comes in and sings, uh, "My son has an Oedipus complex, and that's just fine." And it's a really weird song. And that, here's the thing: that bit could have actually been really good if they'd gotten a super glamorous, like amazing, beautiful model type. They didn't. They got someone who I believed every word she said. I was like, oh. "Is this available on YouTube anywhere?" It might be. I don't know. What's it called? I don't know. This was oh. like this is seven years ago. I don't remember. Oh. It was so bad. But it was one of those things where I like I went and memorized and. Like completely prepared and I ended up not doing anything I ended up just being one of the people going yeah I'm clapping and appreciating what you're doing and then I ate free pizza afterwards so the best thing I got out of it was I discovered a really good pizza place in Tucson oh that's good yeah I did a, a TV commercial where there were two parts a hot girl on motorcycle and nerdy cop and I was positive I was playing <laughs> the nerdy cop <laughs> How'd it turn out? I played the nerdy guy. Ah, interesting. Yeah. Good. Yeah. <laughs> so I've got another question for you. I'm not familiar with where technology is going. I'm not a computer scientist. Okay. How many computers in the future do you think uh, the input port is going to be an ice pick? <laughs> I love that part. He has an ice pick on his arm, and that's how he plugs in the computer. And every computing device has an ice pick slot. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the uh, the um, the cigarette lighter in a car. Right, exactly. <laughs> R2-D2 does it, too. So don't hate on... Robo and who Murphy. Makes fun of that? <laughs> yeah. It makes no sense. Why? Well, look, I've got I've got a bunch of files saved um, back home, but I brought them in because I want to make sure that we can talk about what we're doing. Hey, where can I plug in my ice pick that I've been keeping <laughs> in my pocket all day? Oh, you keep your ice pick in your pocket? I keep mine in my wrist, my wrist Why? slingshot. You don't have a your wrist, wrist slingshot? slingshot? Yeah, it just kind of shoots up a ice pick like a oh. middle finger. Yeah, that's so yeah. weird. It's my Assassin's Creed and then he USB it. port. And then after he kills Red from that '70s show, it's it's covered in blood. He doesn't wipe off the blood. He just goes into the final thing, and his blood covered ice pick. He just plugs into their system. And a, that's not sanitary. And B, I feel like that's dangerous. As dangerous <laughs> well, as an, as an ice pick covered in blood attached to one's wrist can be. Well, would look do you know what he should have done? What? <laughs> Robocop could have given like the Fonzie thumb up, pulled out the cap, and had a thumb drive in his thumb. That would have been amazing. That is in our remake. That's in our remake. Hands down. Yep. Perfect. A literal thumb drive. Yep. So no ice pick hand. Nope. So lots of stuff happens. The, the two business guys hate each other. One of them gets murdered. We don't care. They, they were both bad guys. They, and here's the thing: they cast Miguel Ferrer, who was uh he's George Clooney's cousin. Good for him. Yep. They thought he was just gonna be too nice, so they had to 
add the scene where he's like doing coke with like the hookers or whatever, <laughs> just to make him seem like a bad. Did you have any problem before that scene going? Ah, oh, he's a he's a good guy. <laughs> like he I was think pretty blase about someone getting killed. He literally took a dead body and Robocop buys it. Yeah, I, he was dead. They were both bad guys. I think they really overestimated the likability of the Bob Morton character because they did not need to do anything to no, make him seem. He was already a dick, and then he gets murdered. And I'm like, okay, yeah, no one investigates it. No. Do you think it would have been better if he was had been a good guy character? I can't remember that character in the remake. If they I made think, him, a- I think it would have been more interesting if like he's literally friends with Murphy beforehand. He's like, this is my friend. Like we have to put like. I know this isn't perfect, but we have to do this to him because it's the only way we can save him. Like, he has to be a good guy. Otherwise, his death has no meaning. And in this movie, it his really death has, has no, no meaning. meaning. Yeah. Oh, like, oh one bad guy took on another bad guy. We, we okay. reveal that the guy we already knew was a bad guy is in cahoots with the other bad guy. Why? They're a giant They're giant corporate bad guys, but for some reason, they need to team up with... With on-the-street bad guys. Yes, yeah, thug guys who hang out and don't even pee in bathrooms. They pee in warehouses. The warehouses in this movie are ridiculous. So we get to the end and they're in this other warehouse and there's just a vat of toxic waste just because... In the future. In the future, abandoned warehouses also have abandoned toxic waste. Right. Because it's Detroit. What part of car manufacture involves toxic waste, Mike? Uh, Robocop goes and takes out blue-collar bad guy. No ramifications. Robocop goes and tries to take out white-collar bad guy. Entire police department shows up, starts shooting, and never stops shooting. And then Lady Cop comes in to help Robocop. All of a sudden, the shooting stopped. They get in the car. Okay, good, everybody, let's start shooting again. Who's your MVP acting-wise for this for the original Robocop. Who do, um, who do you think did the best job? Black Laughing Guy. Really? His character was named uh, Johnson, which I wonder if they called him that because of the P Wiener uh, scene. I, I bet they just I, I bet they did. As much as I love Paul McCrane for playing Emil, I really love Kurtwood Smith in this movie to and like playing uh, Boddicker to the point that I couldn't watch that 70s show because I always think of him as Clarence Boddicker. He's so good. He's so... And I told you this when we were talking about Robocop before we started recording. How dare you. The... uh, when he spits the blood, mm-hmm. he improvised that. He you're just like, had blood in his mouth. Yeah, you were like, oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And then I started thinking, he must have been driving around L.A. with like, oh, I got this blood capsule one of these days. <laughs> one of these days, I'm going to have a chance to use it. And then when he got cast in RoboCop, he's like, oh, I'm playing the guy who gets beat up by a robot. Well, once he realized he was the guy who got beat up by a right. robot. Right. I, I can use my blood capsule. That is that is pretty good. Yeah. And then when he spits it out, Paul Verhoeven was probably like, oh, Kurtwood, did we hurt you? No, blood capsule. It but tastes you can't like get it wrong. Yeah. Oh. Which, by the way, it does. Do, do they really? Yeah. It, they're weirdly minty. What did you get to use the blood capsule on? Uh, Anything that you shot or just for fun? It was for theater stuff. Oh, okay. Because when I was in college, the, I went to a liberal arts school, and I don't know if you know about liberal arts schools, they love absurdist and weird theater things. So there's literally some weird absurdist theater thing where I'm just walking out, my hands are covered in blood, and I'm just like looking at them and kind of screaming. That was the entirety of the bit. I don't remember why. I don't remember the context. I just remember doing it, and my hands being covered in weird minty blood. All right. I haven't had a fake blood capsule since probably around the time of Robocop. I don't don't think it was a blood capsule. I think it was was like like bottled and I rubbed it on my hands and it was... I remember at Halloween time buying a bunch of blood capsules 
Just to have one ever. <laughs> That's the kind of kid I was. Wow. Hey, uh, I'm going to freak out my mom by biting down on this blood capsule one day. See, the things that I had, just in case whatever, were like poppers. What are poppers? There's the little white things that you throw them and it goes, Oh, yeah. Yeah. I wonder if those are, if you're still allowed to have those these days. I have some sitting in a box in my room now. Of course you do. Just saving them, just Ooh. in case. Does it? We were so hardcore that we would squeeze them between our fingers. Oh, man. Yeah. I had one, like, we did one thing where we'd take our shirts and throw, each, throw them at each other's backs. <laughs> Explode on your back. Right. Yeah. And then be really disappointed when it would hit our back and then it wouldn't go off and then we'd fall to the ground and then pop and be like, ah, what a waste. Right. Ah, it's such a waste. Like, um, I don't remember what the story was, but there's a, but at some point they talk about some horrible thing that's happening. Like, ah, uh, something horrible is happening. This this retirement home burned down. And it was where two former U.S. presidents had been staying, and now they're both dead. Anyway, in other news, and I was like, <laughs> there is no news broadcast that wouldn't open up with that and only that for weeks. You don't say two former U.S. presidents. You say them by name, and you keep going. I don't remember why they died. I so, just wrote down, I was like, What? Ed Newmeyer probably doesn't have a degree in journalism. To, yeah. Go figure. Yeah. Yeah, I don't get what the commentary was in a lot of those silly interstitials. I just remember them being very surreal and... Oh, like so are, weird. So neither of us are totally in love with Robocop to the point that we think that it can't be improved upon. Let's talk True. about our ideal remake. I'm, I have two ideas. I want to talk to you about the sillier idea first. Okay. This is a movie that opens with us discovering a couple lovable characters to the point where one of them passes away in a horrible tragedy that's really heartfelt and hurts you. They have to be they have to know each other for more than three hours in the remake. Not necessarily. Oh. Not if it's a Pixar movie. <laughs> oh no. So here's my pitch. Pixar movie. Every Pixar movie open not every let's, let's compare this to up. Okay. They go and they meet the, the, the guy and the girl meet each other and they're friends and they have this amazing and they well, they knew each other for a lot longer because obviously they got married and they had the whole thing. But like for the period of time and film time, like they know each other, and this tr- and this horrible tragedy happens. But that's the instigating thing for the entire rest of the story. And part of Robocop's problem is that he's a robot. It's hard to make a robot emote, but Pixar makes a lamp emote. They make Wally emote. Who better to make someone whose face doesn't move emote than Pixar? Pixar is the ideal choice to remake this movie. Think about it. A lovable cop who goes around saving all of his friends in a weird thing. He's an inanimate object who goes and has to save human people, revealing that inanimate objects are themselves animate. Robocop is not only the missing link between reality and idiocracy, it is also the missing link between all the Pixar movies as they are now, where human beings don't, except for Sid, know that toys and cars and animals and everything have thoughts and feelings and emotions. Then Robocop comes around and they find out, oh, Oh, he's an animate and he has thoughts and feelings and emotions and we connect with him to Pixar Apocalypse where like the animal like all of the inanimate things take over and then we have cars the the post Pixar the post Pixar Apocalypse movie in theory could Ed 209 be the star I think of your Pixar's Robocop I think Ed 209 absolutely could be but he also could be the lots of love and bear who loves the status quo because it's the one where Ed 209 is in power mm. and Ed 209 is trying to stop Robocop t- from revealing the existence of humanity uh the, the it, his existence and his sentience to humanity and Ed 209 is trying to stop it because Ed 209 is benefiting from the status quo whereas Robocop wants to ruin that. Pixar's Robocop. Pixar's Robocop. Huh. <laughs> this, so when we when I, when I first had the idea for this podcast and I pitched it to Mike and we came up with the idea that the first one we were going to do was Robocop I immediately had this idea and as we were leaving uh, our friend Diane's place I was like I just came up with what the remake needs to be but I need to put it in my phone and I can't tell you what it is. This is what it was. Pixar's Robocop. Pixar's Robocop. I feel like it would work. I, I don't think it would be their best 
best movie. <laughs> I, but I don't think it would be their worst movie. I think it would fall closer to Cars yeah. than it would be to Toy Story 3. Ah, Toy Story 3 is so good. I don't disagree. That's why I said I wanted to open with this because it's so Okay, good. It's, I don't know that it's the ideal re- it's a <laughs> It's a risky, it's so crazy. What's, it might, life, what's life without risk? I, I, I don't know if we could go to the head of Pixar, Pixar's Robocop, and I don't think he would look at you and say, I'd buy that for a dollar. <laughs> Ah, well played. CEO of Pixar, I type into my phone. The CEO of Pixar is, oh, John Lasseter. Of course oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, we're dumb. Yeah, should have known that. We should have. I agree. I blanked. I have way too many names uh, written down on my sheets here. Before we get into your pitch for the ideal remake, are there any notes we didn't cover? Is there anything you need to tell no, us No, no, I, okay. I, I think we covered the wealth of... Because there's something that you told me about this movie that you have not mentioned today that I feel like you need to mention. Which is? Bubblegum. Yeah, everyone's chewing gum in that movie for some reason. I don't it, think I... I like, I remembered halfway through the movie that you mentioned that and I kind of see it. It was one of those things where like if you mentioned it to me now for the first time, I think I'd have been looking back like, yeah. Yeah. She's chewing bubble like uh Lewis. Lewis is chewing bubblegum. Red from that 70s show is chewing bubblegum. The amount of bubblegum that's being chewed is super weird. Yeah. It almost makes Robocop seem weirder because he's not chewing bubblegum. A little bit. Yeah. That's how you know how stoky is, because everyone else, their mouth's moving all the time and they're living. Right. But he's he's a robot. His mouth doesn't move. In my he's remake, baby food. There's still going to be bubblegum. And then when the uh the red shirt uh, executive gets shot by the Ed 209. He's in the middle of having blown a bubble, and then as soon as a like, bullet passes through the bubble, and then last bubble. And, uh, yeah, that's kind of amazing. Yeah. Um, one last thing before we get to the ideal remake, we have to talk about what the way RoboCop ended. The way RoboCop ends, old man turns to RoboCop and goes, "Nice shooting, son. What's your name?" Murphy. Murphy. That's the stupidest thing I've ever seen. It's not a good blow line. No, because nice shooting, son. What's your name? Your company built him, and yes. you are the CEO. Yeah. The whole point of the process was to remove his identity and now you're saying nice shooting son what's your name you're a terrible CEO you're bad at your job my favorite part of movies is when they say the name of the movie in the movie Uh and I think that would have been a great time for the guy to say uh, nice shooting Murphy and then he turns and says they call me Robocop Blam! Yeah. Smash the credits. Yeah. Yeah, that would have been, that would have been the yeah. way to do it. It's sort of like in... Um, a little bit more plugged into what's been happening in the world. In Stand By Me, when they uh, finally found the body of the Ray Bowers kid, and uh, Will Wheaton gets all scared and says to River Phoenix, like, well, I never saw a dead body before. Stand by me. <laughs> or that, that never happened. No. Yeah. Or that moment in uh, uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the world, where he's finally beaten uh, the last of the evil exes. Yeah. And finally, um, Knives comes over and goes, wow, this really was Scott Pilgrim versus the world, huh? <laughs> it's terrible I'm sorry <laughs> alright so Mike tell me we've talked about what Robocop is if the studios were to be so blind as to remake it which they have but I think they could remake it sincerely as something really amazing tell me about because it. I think it's weird that the whole premise of making Robocop is all the cops sign a release we can use their bodies later yeah Okay, two things. First of all, as you pointed out earlier, there are two black people. Right. Detroit is... uh, 80%. The whole metro Detroit area is pretty much equally black, white, and Middle Eastern. And we don't have any Middle Eastern people in it at all. And we only have two black guys. Right. I think... And I think it's weird that they essentially have a slave. You need to take someone who could do something interesting from Detroit and completely rewrite the script and touch on how weird it is that they're basically making a slave out of a dead cop. That's why I think Jordan Peele should write... 
direct the new RoboCop. Immediately on board. Yes. Because one of the things that I was thinking for my series version is I think RoboCop needs to be black. Yes. I think the way you get your RoboCop is I don't think he should be a cop. I think you, like, if you want to be, because RoboCop's supposed to be a parody of, like, what's happening in current state of police affairs and all that. They're getting bigger guns. They're getting this. We're just one step away from, like, a RoboCop. But I think now, the like, the obvious, the big hot button issue is black kids are being shot by the police. Right. I think that's how your movie needs to start. I think RoboCop needs to be a black kid who's been shot by the police and then they take his body. Yeah. I think, well, I was thinking RoboCop should be played by Keegan-Michael Key. I'm okay with that, too. Okay. It, it's, I mean, even black adults get yeah, shot, too. Even, yeah, as a cop or not, um, I, I do like the idea of him being a cop and they're like, oh, we have ownership of these people. Just how weird of a line that is. It's such a throwaway line in the original. Like, oh, he signed a release. We own him as a human. No. Also, it must be shot in Detroit. Absolutely. Yes. Um, Robocop, like, they have the Robocop statue in Detroit. They don't have it yet. They did do a Kickstarter that Peter Weller kicked in for. But, uh, oh, I thought, they, they, I thought that was succeeded and they built it. I don't think they did. did they I don't find any information on them having I'm not going to look it up. I will just, um, I'll trust you. They talk about, uh, the reason they didn't shoot in Detroit was they were like, oh, nothing about Detroit looked futuristic enough. Detroit has the Renaissance Center, which is the exact same design as the Bonaventure Hotel in downtown Los Angeles, the tubes, glass tube buildings. Oh, yeah, yeah. Where they shot Interstellar. Oh, yeah. Detroit looks plenty fine. It looks as I'm good sure. as Dallas does. Nothing against Dallas, but Detroit should play Detroit. I agree. Keegan, uh, yeah, Jordan Peele, writing and directing it, have the satire and the humor actually be funny, but kind of like how they did with Get Out, where it's still a pretty serious movie, but you do have these moments of levity mm-hmm. uh, that are character-based and not just weird, like, hey, wouldn't it be funny if there's just like some creepy guy with a handlebar mustache going, I'd buy that for a dollar. Okay, so let's talk about that. Th- that's so iconically linked to what RoboCop is. There needs to be an equivalent thing in the remake. Oh, there's still the... There's still the uh, you want um, you want It's a Not My Problem sitcom. Okay, so what would be like the catchphrase or the crazy thing that's happening in your Not My Problem sitcom? It should still be, I'd buy that for a dollar. You think it should be the exact but same thing? I think they should do, keeping with the Detroit theme of things, I don't know if you've seen the show Detroiters on Comedy Central. Sure haven't. It's Sam Richardson from Veep and Tim Robinson, who is on SNL, who are both guys from Second City, Detroit, and they created this TV show about two slacker guys from Detroit that work in an ad agency, and they parody, Detroit has had insane commercials, (laughs) and basically they just parody these commercials to the point where people outside of Detroit are like, well, those are crazy, and the reality is that they're not nearly as crazy as the commercials that they're parodying. We get Sam Richardson and Tim Robinson to do a pass on the script just to do all the weird interstitials. Interesting. So, okay. Do you have, like, a thing that you'd want those commercials to be about, or you just think that, like, whatever is in the zeitgeist at the time? Whatever's in the zeitgeist at the time. Yeah. Okay, so you have your director, you kind of have your star. Talk to me about, and we've kind of have, like, our opening and one of the big moments of what this is. Who's the villain? Like, who who are we, Who who's Robocop going to rise up again? I like the idea of corporatizing, is that a word? That's right. The police yeah, force. There's a whole, there's a whole uh, idea behind corporatization. Yeah, yeah that's right. is a bad thing. So we're keeping with that original thing. So there's still like the old man character and the OCP. Well, on that line of thought, one of the big Republican political points is they want to privatize public works. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what this movie's about. It's it's a privatized public work. And that's such a terrible idea because A, that literally puts all the power and all the control in the hands of the people who own corporations. It puts it, and they already have way too much control than they should. Literally everyone who's a politician and not a rich person agrees about that. 
And so I think that if the villain is privatization and, and corporatization, I think that's a good villain. I agree with you. Yeah. We still have the same Dick Jones character. Apparently at the time, which I always associate Ronnie Cox with RoboCop and Beverly Hills Cop. All right. Because he is in, those are both movies from my childhood. Wonderful. And apparently it was so crazy at the time to cast uh, Ronnie Cox as this bad guy because he was known as kind of like a folksy, mm-hmm. kind of guitar playing, aw shucks, friendly guy. I'd want to do that again and cast Loudon Wainwright III, who is a folksy... Uh, he's in... Um, Why am I blanking? Uh, do you see Undeclared? Oh, I'm aware of it, but I haven't seen okay. it. Okay. Is he the principal? He, he plays there? Jay Baruchel's dad. Great. He's Rufus Wainwright's dad. Okay. The singer-songwriter. Yeah, yeah. And uh, who's a singer-songwriter himself. That's and it's just like a super nice guy that I think... It's sort of like... Because uh, that, that's one of the corporate things, right? It's like... It's, yeah. It's, yeah. They're super nice, super personable, horrible, and evil. But hey, you'd like to get a beer with them. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a good idea. Yeah. So I like it. Also, is Lewis... I uh, you, you think obviously the script needs more color, but also needs probably more women. And I agree that Lewis should be more involved, but I also agree that she should not be just in Act One and Act Three. I think she needs to be uh, an integral part of the story of finding, seeing what's wrong with. Um, as cops, we sign something to basically make us slaves. After we die, they can mm-hmm. turn us into robo, you know, cops. I want to uh, be super progressive as. As you know, I want to do from the script that I've currently written. Indeed. I think we should have a, a trans cop and have her played by Laverne Cox from Orange is the New Black. I think that'd be cool. I think that'd be good casting. And I also think, because there's kind of two through lines of what's waking RoboCop up, like he has his dreams and he has these weird flashes and memories. I don't think he should have the weird flashes and memories at all. I think Laverne Cox's character should be exclusively the person that wakes RoboCop up. Yes. Like, I think having anything else just cheapens the character. Mm -hmm. I think it needs to be exclusively uh, Lewis. Yeah. Well, I think it exclusively needs to be Laverne Cox's Lewis that's like... No, this is who you are. I'm going to get through to you. I'm going to figure out a way to do it. And I think it needs to be something based on their interaction prior to Keegan-Michael Key, Jordan Peele. Prior to Jordan Peele becoming Robocop. Keegan-Michael Key. Whatever. Key. 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 Yeah. Yes. Yes. Sorry. Keegan-Michael Key becoming uh, Robocop. But because of that, I think they need to also have an established relationship prior to the Robocopening. Yeah. Yeah, that's why I do think they should be partners for longer than three hours. Well, here's my thing. Because I do think that it should be a black guy shot on the streets. Yeah. I don't think he should be a cop before that. Okay. I think if he was a cop before that, they should have just been partners for, like, years. It's just mm-hmm. one of, like, there's no reason to introduce him to a police station and then murder him. Right. Like, hey, here's the new guy. Let's show you around. Well, I think the idea was that he was dressed like he, Buckaroo, like he just walked off the set of Buckaroo Banzai. At the beginning to just kind of go like, oh, well, he's uh, referenced any place that even sounds like Detroit. I think the idea was supposed to be like, oh, he's from the suburbs. Uh, he doesn't know what it's like working in the city. Well, here's the here's the mistake I think the movie, the original makes. I think it having it be Murphy's first day is the mistake. I think it should be Lewis's first day. And Lewis goes in. It's her first day. They're showing her around. They introduce her to a partner. He's like, yeah, come in. I'm, I always drive because I'm a macho man or whatever. And like literally on her first day, her partner gets killed. And like she has no idea what's going on. She didn't know. And then they cut back later and she's established. She knows what's going on in the precinct. Now she's the season. Because how long were they doing the RoboCop process to him? A long time. Right. And so when they come back, she's had a partner die. She's a much more seasoned. And now all of a sudden, she knows what's going on and she has the confidence to be able to like help and do things. I think like losing a partner like hardens her and I think that's what the movie should 
have done. So I think if you're going to have, like, it be someone's first day, you're moving people around, I think it should be Laverne Cox's, Lewis's first day on the job. And I think Murphy can be showing her around. I don't, he can't be a cop, but I don't think he should be. He certainly can be. I don't know. I think that's the issue because I think that's what the, the original movie's missing because I think that's the switch that should have happened. But I don't know. In the current zeitgeist, I don't think, I think he's literally someone who gets made into, like, his slavery. He's getting made into the thing that could have killed him. Did you end up watching Ocho? I did not. Oh, okay. If it, maybe it's a, a big PR stunt to show, like, hey, the cops are apologizing for shooting innocent people, so we're going to turn this guy into a superhero. Ta-da! The yeah. police presents, you know. Robocop. Yeah, Robocop, who's a victim. Well, who now, you know. What What's an organization that currently works closely with the police? Teachers. Know. Yeah. Okay. It could literally be, like, he could, Murphy could literally be a teacher doing, like, taking kids around, like, the, the precinct and the cop that they're they're going around and being shown everything with is is Lewis. I think he needs to be something in the community and something where he would be working with the police. Yeah, if he's like a community leader. A community leader yeah. in some way. Yeah. I think that's what you need. I, again, I don't think he should, be, he should be a police officer. And Laverne Cox is the way in. The Lewis character is the way in. They meet, they have a connection, and I think your end of act one, your act out is... He gets shot. Okay. Now, here's my question to you. Does he get shot by a street gang or does he get shot by police? What about crooked cops? I think he should get cop- shot by crooked cops. Yeah. Because I think having the the, the blue-collar crime people in this movie, I think that's a distraction from the actual bad guys of this movie. Right. Which are the corporate, I mean, standard, standard 80s movie, corporate bad guys. But I think Crooked Cops is the way to go. And I think, like, while he's on this tour, Lewis takes the kids, like, oh, hey, and he goes to get a cup of coffee and he overhears something. So the cops take him out. Right. Yeah, what if he's, like, a young Barack Obama community leader trying to clean up, instead of Chicago, clean up Detroit. Absolutely. And, uh, and he's shining a light on crooked cops mm-hmm. and then the crooked cops take him down and then he gets he gets he gets put through the robocop process yeah and then i think in act i think act two he needs to be a bad guy yeah i think he needs to be going and cleaning up the streets but being just as bad as every other perceived police force like he's roughing people up he's showing preferential whatever and i think he needs to be a bad guy until he slowly gets woken up end of act two by lewis laverne cox was like no this is this is what you were this is what he yeah like he, he actually if you work to look at judge dread through uh, like fanboy eyes and it's like oh wait he's just killing everyone yeah. like if he were a legitimate Judge Dredd type character mm-hmm. this super fascist cop who's just you know which is part of the reason why I'm not entirely sold on the idea of having Ed 209 in this movie because I think that Robocop should be Ed 209 yeah Robocop in the second act is definitely the Ed 209 right yeah but I think that leads me to what I think act 3 is but go ahead the only thing I will say for uh, the street gang I do like the idea of Christian Slater playing the Clarence Boddicker role. Uh-huh. Um, I think that'd be fun. And just because Paul McCrane, like I said, voiced like an angel, I like the idea of the Emil character being played by Justin Timberlake. Wow. Great. Into yeah. It. Sounds amazing. Because okay. if, if you look at pictures of Paul McCrane, how he normally looks, you'd be like, wait, that's the guy from RoboCop? Yeah. The, you know. You could just as easily make them the dirty cops. Yeah. They could be the dirty cops. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, that's the equivalent. Instead of having them be a gang, have them be the dirty cops. They're like undercover detectives who you know, I think it'd be interesting if there was one of them on every division. So the Justin Timberlake uh, person would literally be on um, Vice. 
Because, mm-hmm. of course, he would be. Yeah. And I think that would be interesting. I think that's who those characters should be. In fact, the Clarence Boddicker character could literally be the chief of police. I, like, in the sergeant role, you mean? Yeah. Because the sergeant doesn't do anything. But that guy is so, like, I was looking at his credits. He's played by the late Robert Doqui, mm-hmm. D-O-Q-U-I. He has 127 credits on IMDb. Wow. 23 of those. He played either characters that were listed as cops, lieutenant, or sergeant. That's amazing he, and wonderful. He died about 10 years ago because I looked, I was like, why doesn't that guy work anymore? Well, and I was like, oh, he died. Yeah. Um, I think we should do the Peter Cushing thing to him if because he has five kids. I think we should CG him and give his money from that to his estate, to his family. That's um, a lovely idea, but no. No. <laughs> Because that's a wonderful thing. It's a great idea to do. The police sergeant. He, he played is. the sergeant in every Robocop movie. Name me one time when you've been happy to see a CG overlay on someone's face. Name me one time seeing a CG overlay overlay on someone's face has been, quote, ideal. At the end of Rogue One when she says, hope. No. I'm sorry, no. All right. I like you and I are on the same page. We both like Rogue One. There are a lot of people who don't. We both do. Although I watched Rogue One on an airplane and I was like, well, I'll just fast forward to the part that I like. <laughs> Probably like the last 10 minutes. And I realized everything I like about Rogue One is literally the last 90 seconds. The hallway fight with Darth Vader? Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. I mean, it's so good. Anyway, I no. Okay. I, I think that's a wonderful idea. I think paying tribute to this guy who's... The chief, like, the chief of police would be great. Then his picture has to be up at the police station somewhere. Absolutely. Or a statue of him. I think it'd be better if there was a statue of him. There's a, yeah, there's a, a Sergeant Reed statue. Heck, it could be the, the Sergeant Reed police station. Mm. Um, okay. So our bad guys aren't, um, like, weird strip club robbing... Yeah, no, no, it's tusks. it's OCP. Yeah. Yeah, it, yeah, it's the corporation. Uh, I and, like the and, idea... And, and the, and the uh, dirty cops who are working for the corporation. Yeah. Which makes more sense. Who would you put in the Bob Martin role? Remind me who Bob Martin is? Miguel Ferrer, the cocaine guy. The, uh, the one who was in there for, like, the one scene? He's in there for the two scenes to go, uh, I got my idea, robot cops. Uh, cyborg guys. Oh, and then I'm does, sorry. Yeah. You said the cocaine guy, and I assumed it was the guy literally running the cocaine warehouse. Oh no, 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 no. Oh no, no. no, no. The, yeah. the the guy whose idea was to Robocop. I think that should be his friend. Okay. I think the person who made Robocop should have done it with the best. So he's intentions. more of a good guy. Yeah. I so think who he, would be in that role? And then and then I think the project needs to, like, oh, you're turning this into a Robocop. Great. And then they take it away from him and make him a bad guy. Right. I think he needs to be killed, and in being killed, gets his information to Laverne Cox so that she can save Robocop. Yeah. I think he needs to be a good guy. But in a better way than uh, Logan, where it's all going to be on like a iPhone video. Like, hey, if you're watching this, here's the exposition. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or better than um, you and I just saw the Hitman's Bodyguard. Spoiler alert, when they get Samuel L. Jackson to the to testify for Interpol or whatever it is, he goes, okay, go to this website. There's all the evidence. Yeah. Like, you couldn't have just, okay, have someone go there. Have them open up this laptop. Go to this website. Great. I did that remotely. I yeah. didn't have to physically be here. Yeah. Can I, can I be on a Skype call? Because <laughs> that would work. It's probably going to be safer than trying to transport me. Yeah. Oh, good. I've, here's the website. Let me email it to someone great done right well that that goes back to rogue one too a little like, bit really we couldn't just email the email file doesn't, email doesn't exist in that universe and it's such a big file it's a planet-sized file yeah uh, i mean i don't know how much we transfer can handle but not that much here's more trivia about robocop miguel ferrer uh was one of carrie fisher's best friends because um his mom was or aunt maybe was rosemary clooney mm-hmm. who was friends with debbie reynolds so Miguel Ferrer and Carrie Fisher were like best friends growing up. And when she got the script for Star Wars, she read it out loud with him. And they were both like, oh, it'd be so awesome to be Han Solo. And then she got to be Princess Leia and he got to do RoboCop. <laughs> <laughs> I, d- 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 good for them. Yeah. 
Um, here is what I think that character needs to be. Because I think I'm going to combine two characters now. Okay. I think that character needs to be his wife. Okay. I think that character needs to be someone who cares about him and who he cares about and who will be actively tragic when that character unfortunately gets killed. Do we have any backstory that shows that that's how they met because he was a community leader and she was working for this company that was doing tech for the police department? Great. Okay. I think that can be backstory. I don't think it's necessary. I think it can just be, they're married, here's his job, here's her job. So Bob Morton is now Barb Morton. Barb Morton is who's Yeah, so who's who's playing Barb Morton? I don't know. Who would be a good... Because we need someone like the smart, techie person. uh, And then also... Let's continue with the um, real-life breakdown of Detroit and try to cast a Middle Eastern female actress. I think that's a good one. What's... uh, I don't know any off the top of my head. I think that's a good call. And I wish I had one available. (laughs) I mean, I just thought of one, but that's not a good example. Who did you think of? The the only one I immediately thought of was the woman who just got cast to play uh, Jasmine in the Disney the Pink Ranger from the Power Rangers movie. Uh, I didn't see it. I thought it was fun. The um, it's it's not a good movie, but it's one of those movies that I thought was like just a, just a fun movie to watch. I thought it was a fairly good remake because it takes the original concept of what of what the thing is, changes it, but then keeps some of the original idea behind it. I'm not familiar with any of these. Oh. oh. Sophia Butella. I do yes, just about to say be- Sophia Butella. Oh my gosh, of course, because she's great in literally everything she's ever done. She's pretty awesome. I do like the, um, I can't remember if she's the wife or the uh, housekeeper from A Separation. Oh, yeah, she was good. She was so good, too. I, Layla Hatani. Yeah. Yeah, I just found her. She Layla, Mike and I watched this movie called The Separation. It's really good. Look it up. It's an Iranian movie, and she's phenomenal in it. We're doing the ideal remake. I don't know that she could get people in seats while uh, the other person was in The Mummy and Kingsman. But she's still not a known name. I mean, we're doing the ideal remake. It's it's a Key and Peele movie, the way we've set it up. We don't need any other star power. That's enough. Yeah, let's put uh, Leela Hatami in it. Done. From Separation, playing Barb Morton, which we'll have to change the name. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. we will. But I think that's... What was the wife's name? Mrs. Robocop. Mrs. Robocop. Which was so weird. You not Mrs. Thought, Murphy? You would have thought that Murphy would have known that he could have become a Robocop, considering, considering his, wife his wife's maiden was, name. Was, yeah, it was Robocop. It's great that he took her maiden name. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. <laughs> she hyphenated for a little uh, while. All right. So when they get together in uh, Robocop 3... It's since Robocop he Murphy? T- yeah, yeah, exactly. Because I, I think that's the way it needs to be. Because I think that you combine those characters, you make the death much more tragic, and that way you Does, get to have his true emotional like thing. Like, when you finally realize that, like, the wife's been killed. Like, I think everything Laverne Cox was doing up to that point, I think that can be what finally, like, snaps him out of it. Yeah. It's like, oh my god, my wife's dead. Yeah, there's definitely in this remake a lot more building up to justify the third act. Right. Yeah. Here's what I think needs to be happening in the third act. It's Detroit. They need to be mass-producing Robocops. Oh yeah, immediately. Now, this is a question I have for you. Since I haven't seen any of the other movies, was that something that they did in any of the other movies? I don't think they did. Crazy. It's Detroit. How has no one done that? Right. I'm assuming that at some point they were mass-producing Ed 209s. But I think they could be doing, they could be Mass producing Robocop because remember Robocop is our N209 and I think instead of having like his half robot half human face it's an all robot face and it literally has that weird smiley face thing it's like hello have a good day please put down your weapon you have 20 seconds to comply and then it turns into a red angry emoji and it's like guns out that feels a little um chappy I guess it does yeah 
I like the idea of continuing with the idea of slavery, that they found a loophole that they can have slaves if someone's already died. I have a hard time having all the subsequent Robocops be humans because there will be a third act action set piece where original Robocop is just going through and killing them all. Yeah. And so it's one of those things where if there's something in the back of your mind where he's killing innocent people who've themselves been hijacked, I don't think that's going to work. So that's why I think it needs to be the wife who saved Robocop. And then they're like, oh, that is a good idea. If we just do a small tweak, we don't actually even need the human. And they just start pumping them out. Okay. Unfortunately, I do like I get I think that that's a it's a more likely scenario and it's more evil and I think that's a good idea. But I think if RoboCop's going to be killing all of these people, what if it's a reveal that they find that there are actual brain stems in all of what we initially thought were just robot cops, but they all actually have part of human brains in there. I think that'd be from interesting. From dead and, cops. And like that like the beginning like act 3 begins with this big action set piece and he killed a bunch of them and then they find out that they were real. Yeah. And then the end of act 3 is another big action set piece but he's going through and he's having to disable them all instead of killing them all yeah I think you're right I think that's the way to do it and then it goes back to uh, commenting on how these days it seems like there are a lot of cops that go for their guns instead of their tasers right and and I think that's exactly the point you need to make I agree with you so let's let's walk through our points so who's our director Jordan Peele who's our star Keegan-Michael Key who are our other main actors Lewis is Laverne Cox Dick Jones from the corporation is Loudon Wainwright also working for the corporation OCP is Mrs. Murphy, who is Layla. Layla Hatami. Good. I didn't even have to look it up. The sergeant is not played by the late Robert Doqui, but the police sergeant <laughs> is played by... Did we say a name for this one? No. I, I mean, we don't have to get a name. It can just be because we get the current person who's always a cop, right? Always a lieutenant. I want like the guy who you're like, oh yeah, of course he's the police chief. Yeah. I don't know who that is, but we have to get that person. That's a... The casting director will know. Yeah. I agree. It needs to be the person who's always the police. Okay, great. Uh, uh, who's our red from that 70s show? Christian Slayer. Great. Yeah. And so it's the dirty cops who are in the pocket of and this then big Emil corporation. And is Justin Timberlake. And I like the idea of having the Johnson character, even though I don't think we'd ever be able to get that laugh again, but just to have something weird about him, I think the Johnson character should be played by stand-up comedians, both twin Lucas brothers. What? The Lucas brothers. That'd work. Yeah. <laughs> that would be but weird. But we refer to them just as Johnson. Great. Yeah. Because they're both Johnson, and so you yeah. want to call them Johnson, not the Johnsons? Nope. They're just Johnson. Johnson! To get it's in just here. So weird. Yeah, boss. Yeah. Yeah, boss. Yeah, boss. Somehow we get the sound effect for the laugh. We would have to. That laugh's so good. And then our uh, script punch up by uh, Sam Richardson and Tim Robinson to do the interstitials. I do like the idea of weird newscasters, but I think we should comment more on how news is not news anymore. And yeah. it's all just fluff pieces and propaganda. Fluff pieces and editorials. I think the news should be like Perez Hilton. And it should just be like here in a news story, and then he's just drawing like his white wieners and whatever. Great. Perez Hilton as Perez Hilton. Being a newscaster. Being the newscaster. Great. He is the source of news for America in RoboCop 2020. Wonderful. What is the studio for this film? Oh, I don't know. Because well, who was the studio for original RoboCop? It was, it's the one with the lion. So it's MGM, right? Oh, okay. Yeah. Should it be MG- I mean, obviously they probably still have the rights. I wonder if they did the remake. I would have to have. But didn't MGM go to business or get bought out? I'm not as inside the business as you are. <laughs> so. Right. Your place in 
Beverly Hills. I live in the other side of Los Angeles. A lot closer to fire. All the studios. That, yes, yeah. also, yeah. You live closer to CBS. I thought you said CBS really quick, and <laughs> I thought that was funny. I can't find who owns this. The remake was shot in Canada. Yeah, so they definitely have to film in Detroit. Two months later in September, MGM and Columbia Pictures released the official film plot. So MGM and Columbia. I mean, if they're the ones who own it, they're the ones who gotta put it out. But I mean, it's one of those things where it's our ideal remake, so Jordan Peele would have as much creative control as he possibly yeah. could. Because he's, he's the director and the writer, right? Yeah. Or first pass Yeah, writer. he's writing and directing it. Yeah, good. Yeah. Get Out did well enough that I think he's gonna be able to have control. Well, it's, it's the standard Hollywood move. So and you and I are producing this thing, so done. we're giving him control. Yes. it's Well, it's the standard Hollywood thing of you have a successful independent movie, we're now giving you a large franchise. Yeah. We're you know, going, with Chronicle. We're gonna do to him what Lucasfilm did to uh, Lord and Miller. And we're gonna say, you know what? You go out and make exactly the movie you want to make as long as it is exactly this. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. The, you, and, and if you they, don't, they get fired? Yeah, if you don't, Jordan Peele, we're going to hire Ron Howard. I, I'm not comfortable with any of this. <laughs> this, is, this is bad. Uh, I, I'm not, I might not see the Han Solo movie because I wanted to see their Han Solo movie. I don't want to see Ron Howard's Han Solo movie. Uh, I'll still see it. I'll wait for reviews. Uh, it's not going to be good. I'm going to see it on opening day. I know. I'll probably wait in line. I know. Even though you can buy tickets online these days and there's no reason to wait in line. I'm going to wait in line out of principle. I, I know. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I feel pretty happy with our ideal movie. Yeah, I think it's pretty good. I think that would be a good movie. I think, even without the details, if you were just to tell me, you know, Jordan Peele's going to make a uh, remake RoboCop, I would just be like, oh, wow, that could be awesome. Yeah, that's going to be yeah. a good movie. Yeah. And I like it. Like I said, there's so many people that I picked on this that are from Detroit. Yeah. That I think that's so, you know, if they're making a point out of Detroit, because... It, 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 this is the movie that is Detroit, or that's like so associated with Detroit as a city. Like, no other movie that I can think of is, except with the possible exception of the movie, Detroit. Or 8 Mile. <laughs> I haven't seen it. But, but yes, your idea but, of making sure that they're going to mass produce an assembly line RoboCops is another reason that it has to be Detroit. It must be. 8 Mile would be an interesting movie for us to also talk about an ideal remake for. You know what? We just saw Patty Cakes. Which uh, is, oh, that's right. That is basically. It's funny because... Uh, it's not getting good reviews, but you said you like it Which a is a shame because it's so good. The guy who uh, wrote and directed it is a big uh, Fellini fan and he's calling it uh, Eight and a Half Mile. Nah. Instead of, you know... Perfect. Yeah. And because there's so many weird, surreal uh, dream, dream sequences in it. I love 8 Mile because I have a lot of Detroit pride. I think Patty Cakes is a better movie than 8 Mile. Wow. Yeah. That's high praise. Yeah. yeah. The, it, Patty Cakes is definitely a, a deeper movie. So we can't do the ideal remake of 8 Mile because the ideal remake of 8 Mile is already, is already <laughs> Patty Cakes. Um, so is that it for RoboCop? I think so. I'm okay. pretty happy with where we ended I'm up. very happy for a second episode. We're doing Goonies. And, I'll tell you, and I will tell you why. Okay. I don't like Goonies. You don't like Goonies. I don't. I've seen it. There are a lot of fun trivia facts about Goonies that I think are fun, but Goonies is one of those movies that Goonies is going to get rebooted someday. You and I both know this. It's going to get rebooted someday. I don't think Steven Spielberg would ever allow one of his movies to be rebooted. He's going to die one day, and then all of his movies are going to be rebooted. Well, Steven Spielberg Steven Spielberg himself has rebooted some of his own movies, or has done sequel to his, sequels to his own movies. I think we should do The Goonies. What has Steven Spielberg done a sequel to? How many Jaws movies are there? He didn't do any of the other ones. And, and he did... Uh, uh, the fourth Indiana Jones movie? Oh, he did do Indiana Jones sequels. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I think we have to let's, do Goonies. Let's do Goonies. I love Goonies. We're going to have a conversation about Goonies. I always say it like this. I am a year younger than Corey Feldman. And because of that, I grew up on Corey Feldman movies. I love Corey Feldman movies. Corey Feldman, as weird as he may be to some people, can do no wrong by me. I feel bad that I saw Corey Feldman at the comedy store and I wanted to go up to him and say, uh, hey, man, I just want you to know I think you're all right. But I realized there is no way I could say to a man wearing a Michael Jackson glasses and sunglasses 
glasses in a really dark room. Hey, man, I think you're okay without it dripping in sarcasm, even though it would be completely sincere for me. Fair. We're going to do the Goonies, and we'll talk more about it next time. Okay. Now let's talk about credits. Some of you may have seen our amazing uh, logo, which was done by Lindsay. I don't know how to pronounce her last name. Leras? L-L-E-R-A-S. And we're going to get her to be a guest on this podcast at some time in the future, and we're going to get all of her information. She designed our logo, and it's amazing. I, you showed me a couple of options for art, and as soon as you showed me Lindsay's art, I uh, fell in love with it. I think I think she's great. I love cartoon me with the beard. Yeah. Um, I'm convinced that my fiance is more in love with Lindsay's cartoon version of me really? than the actual of me. She loves it so much. Ah, uh, that's uh, amazing. Yeah. I, I love the artwork Good. so much. And our theme song is... is by a band called The Rebel Spies. The singer of the band is my friend Jeff Sanguis, who I've known. Also like you, I don't think likes the Goonies. Good man. He did not like any kid movies when we were kids and does not like any kid movies now. I would go as far as to say that he probably hates the Goonies. I'll see if I can get him to record something for the next episode about why he, I'm going to guess, agrees with you about why the Goonies is bad. Uh, Rebel Spies. Yeah, our theme song is the song Not Dead, Not Yet from the Rebel Spies off their album Rise. Great. Super great uh, punk band from Detroit. Love them. Perfect. Uh, so some of you who may be listening may be wondering, hey, how can we stay in touch with Ideal Remake? Well, you'll be delighted to know that we've got a Facebook, a Twitter, and an Instagram, all of which are called Ideal Remake. I was able to get the uh, no one else wanted it because now it's all ours. You got in. Yes. yes. Ideal Remake belongs to us. Right. No Ideal Remake podcast, no this, no that. We are Ideal Remake. Yeah, so if there are movies out there that you think we should consider how we would do an Ideal Remake of, please let us know. If there is something you liked about the show, please let us know, but also let us know through a uh, review through uh, podcast devices. Yeah, leave us a rate and review us on iTunes. Only if it's good. If it's not good, message us privately and tell us what we can do better. <laughs> because this is our first episode, we know we have got loads of room to improve and we look forward to doing it with you, our wonderful listeners. Yes. So but please rate and review on iTunes. That's how new podcasts get discovered and anything that you can do to support us would be wonderful. Like us on Instagram, follow us on Twitter. It would be great. I'm Sam Gash. You can find me on Twitter at my name, Sam Gash, S-A-M-G-A-S-C-H. And I'm Mike Bobbitt. You can find me on everything at Off The Mike. O-F-F-T-H-E-M-I-K-E on the... That's, uh, that's good IP. Like, I'm surprised. I'm impressed that you, you get that. I had a marketing guy who uh, took me on as a project many years ago, and I have all of it and have done not enough <laughs> of any of it. <laughs> my YouTube, my Twitter, my Instagram, the Facebook, everything is Off The Mike. Yeah, and that's great. Yeah. I, all, everything I have is Sam Gash, because Sam Gash is super easy to get. This has been episode one of Ideal Remake. Tune in next time when we talk about... Goonies. Goonies. I should call it Defending Goonies. <laughs> I'd buy that for a dollar. <laughs>